you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying, is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted, is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the Success Report. The Success Report. Hear ye, hear ye, come one, come all. You are listening to The Sixth Sense Report with Darnell Samuels and Joel Nikoloff. Yo, man, you ready to play some sports or what? <laughs> yes, yes, dodgeball especially. <laughs> oh, I can't imagine why. <laughs> well, because we're talking about... Tools of dodge- oppression? I'm just Dodgeball <laughs> as a tool of oppression, yes. Uh, dodgeball. Uh, well, uh, well, hopefully, uh, you know, listeners know how to play dodgeball. Yeah, dodge the ball. Dodge the ball. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know it's it's one of those things that it's you. It, well, it's one of those universal games that you've played growing up. Uh, you played? Oh, I, I, I'm pretty sure it was my favorite game to play in gym. Why? Um, because I, I think I always you never knew who was gonna win. Right, like. With other sports, you you kind of get this, like, if I was playing ball hockey, for example, you know you're going to end up with, like, a couple kids that are good and the rest kind of, like, either don't, you know, don't know how to shoot, don't know how to do this, don't know how to do that. And so, like, whereas with dodgeball, for the most part, everybody can play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's going to be disparity, but but it's not, like... You know, think of think of when you played basketball in gym, mm-hmm. when you were a basketball player, right? Like, part of you is like, why are we doing this? No, well, <laughs> no, I, I always loved to play because, you know, because you, I was always better than everybody in my gym class. Like me, you know, a couple guys were always better, so you kind of you had a field day of just tearing apart everybody. But, but but I mean, if you did that every day, you'd be like, why? You know, like this is like it gets old. Yes, yeah. it's fun to show off. Like, you know, yeah. it's like, uh, I, I like showing off that I'm the best yeah. at, at that sport, <laughs> of course, right? But but with dodgeball, I mean, uh, I always found it fun. You know, I as much as I, I know there's another name of like murder ball, which I think, I don't yeah. know if it's the same game yeah, or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if it's, it's a modification. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, we always called it uh, dodgeball. But, but, you know, in general... I don't remember it being like, I want to hurt you. I want to win. Like, I'm not trying to hit someone else in the face. Like, at least, I mean, that, that's me. Obviously, if someone is a bully, or is there a potential for them to exploit the situation and hurt someone else? Sure. But it doesn't have to be dodgeball for them to be doing that. I just got a flashback of... Playing Billy dodge. Madison, <laughs> playing dodgeball with the kids. I'm thinking of myself as Billy Madison playing with the kids. Okay, so I play. I love playing dodgeball for hitting people in the face. <laughs> uh, that that was my thing. So I did not I, know you were gonna say that, and I just like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, oh, I'm good. I'm being honest. I'm being honest. So like, uh, when then I became I used to work like Parks and Rec with kids, like camps with kids. 
the reason why we played headshots just so people are like oh well, they're, they're, they're Protect targeting yourself. people are bl- well well the reason why we played headshots was because um when you played like below the waist you know people would you know cheat you know they would like just creep or you know creep yeah. and all you know you their sit knees. on your knees yeah now you've got like knees. a shorter yeah so you couldn't yeah so then you couldn't hit them so it was, it was like really cheap uh and, and so forth so you know a couple of uh, the kids were like yo let's okay let's go headshots like okay no problem the whole idea was that the balls were soft yeah so getting so, in the so head headshot yeah even. so like you know if you've been hit in the face with a basketball or a soccer ball or you know those that thing stings yeah so that's not what's happening that's not you know it's one of those super soft smushy balls so you oh, know yeah, yeah. yeah if you got if you got like directly hit in the nose it wouldn't break your nose no, no. your eyes yeah. might water but there's nothing to complain yeah you about. might see a little sparkly things <laughs> no but but again, but part yeah, of it is part of it a is a concussion. That would be a yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah. But part of but, it, part of it was we were just um, trying to increase the level of competition. Yeah, um, like you said, game. I mean, you were trying to prevent people gaming the system, right? When you're like, oh, yeah, and, and you know, and it was the kids' idea, and they're like, hey, yo, let's just play headshots, and I'm like, okay, cool. Um, but this recent report that came out uh, by Joy Joy Butler, who works for the uh, University of British Columbia, and she works in the Department of Pedagogy and Phys Ed. Um, was basically making an argument that uh, dodgeball is legalized bullying, and so yeah, and so I, I guess you know what we can do. We can we can play the clip. It, it is tantamount to legalized bullying, as as we've been saying, um, and that you know when when people say when the teachers ask uh, the students what they would like to play mm-hmm. um, they tend to listen to the people at the front with the loudest voices and those people who don't want to play can't say anything they kind of creep to the back right and 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 those those people in the front say dodgeball right you you, you point out that that it's the the only game uh, where we make the human the target nobody's putting a ball through a net no one's trying to score a goal the object of the game is to hit the person across from you. Yes, uh, of course we had that with very hard balls at one point, and uh, and then the modifications have become softer balls, smaller balls. Um, but the, the trouble with that is um, what the what the teacher is doing is controlling the aggression. So the the, the aggression is still there, and the mm-hmm. intent is still there to hit somebody. But now the teacher has reduced the amount of impact it has, but it doesn't actually reduce what the what the student is doing. Is it not a, a safe way for students to, you know, uh, express that regression, you know, get it out in a way that is really not that harmful? Well, you know, I would hope that education is part of um, the ethic of care, of, of taking care of uh, students in a safe way and, in, and creating a, an environment uh, where they would learn to control aggression rather than let, let loose on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, gym class can be misery, though, for people who are not athletically inclined. I mean, mm-hmm. is, does dodgeball make it that much more miserable? Well, what do you do when you've got a ball flying at you? You run, um, and there were stories about you know little girls running to the back and trying to avoid. So, you know, what is she actually learning from that experience, except that she's being um, hounded? She's, she's got to find a way to get up away from it. Um, I don't think that's what we're trying to do in physical education so she the, uh, i mean my my biggest critique or criticism of that clip would be the last question she I, I i don't think her question she didn't answer the question because he he pointed out the fact that 
for those that are unethic or un or not athletically inclined, gym class sucks. Period. And so she just described a scenario, I think, of someone who is not athletically inclined having another bad experience in gym class. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not trying to oversimplify it. I'm actually trying to point out the fact that he asked a really, really good question and she dodged it mm-hmm. by painting a picture of a scenario you don't like as opposed to answering a straight-up question. Is dodgeball any more bad for the individual who doesn't like gym class? Or is, is dodgeball somehow a worse experience for the people who in general don't enjoy gym class and have bad experiences gym, in gym. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, to me, that that ignoring of that question is to some extent... A bit problematic. Yeah, well, it, it also demonstrates probably the approach to this study or paper um, in that you have a preconceived conclusion and you're trying to paint a narrative that fits the conclusion. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'll get into more of why I think that. Yeah, I, I, I definitely, I definitely uh, get where uh, uh, Joy Butler's coming from, uh, and I hear what she's saying in regards to, you know, people who aren't as athletic and and not being fun. Uh, but I think, well, one, you know, you know, dodgeball is one of those equal opportunity games because you don't have to be good at anything to play dodgeball and there's uh, a lot of recourse so if you do get hit and you do get out um, especially if you're playing hit and below the waist it is what you know it's not it's not like playing with me with headshots uh, <laughs> but if you're playing you know below the waist you get out then you're on the sideline uh, then you still have an opportunity to redeem yourself get back in or even to hit that per to get that person back who who hit you um, yes some people aren't that good at throwers and you know you definitely see who's who um, but I mean, you can, you know, if you, uh, I mean, uh, unless you can't throw, can't catch and can't see and have no reaction. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. That individual is going to have a horrible time mm-hmm. in everything in gym class. Right. Right. Well, okay. Hold on. Hold on. In, in uh, Joy's defense, uh, Professor Butler, uh, she, she proposes some kind of more, uh, Social social justice principled games. Now I'm, I looked and I searched the net, and hopefully, if anybody finds it, I need, I searched for lectures and interviews from her uh, unpacking or her papers uh, from her unpacking the ideas of uh, these social justice friendly games. I, I didn't find anything, and I'm you know, and I guess I'm eager to hear what what those games would look like uh, that are a bit more politically correct, like soccer where they don't keep score. No. Oh. Yeah, well, that too. But essentially, okay, so essentially her argument is, um, you know, the, what she's saying is that, the, you know, get rid of dodgeball because it teaches oppression. Get rid of dodgeball because uh, the practice of the game teaches oppression. And the oppression she links to uh, this woman named um, Iris... Uh, sorry, one moment. Iris Marion. Yeah, yeah, I, Iris Marion. And basically, she has these... Uh, 
Yeah, so here, let me uh, let me just jump in for one second. Yeah. So it's Iris Marion Young's yes. Five Faces of, of, of Oppression. Yes. It was an article published uh, in her 1990 book, Justice and the Politics of Difference. Right, right. But yeah, so so part of it is uh, it's, it's, it's a nuanced um, look at oppression. So, you know, it, it, so she isn't looking at oppression from the traditional uh, perspective of uh, political dictator violently preventing people from exercising freedoms. So Young's oppre- view of oppression is people suffer from inhibition of their ability to develop and exercise their capacities. So domination is structural or systemic phenomena that prevent people from self-determination. This is something everyone should have. So it's more of a psychological uh, oppression and being able to self-determine uh, one's um, so, I potential. Mean, but, okay, and, so. any, and anything that hinders that is the oppression. So so, uh, yeah, so, so, uh, so Iris, hold on. Iris is young, young, so her theory tying into Joy's theory into dodgeball. Dodgeball being uh, a game where you isolate uh, uh, a person. So like, you know, you, you know, you have you have your guy on the sideline and you're inbound. You know what I mean. And you have a ball. Like me and you are on the same team. Me and you, you're on the other side. I have a ball. Me and you are communicating. Like okay, yo, yeah, we're gonna get this guy. You go for the. You go high. I go low. <laughs> that type yeah. of thing. And now that person's a target. And that's kind of uh, teaching people how to isolate and use people as so, targets. So I mean, and, so let me. I want to take a step back because like mm-hmm. I see. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just wanted to, to yeah, clarify and define oppression. And so yeah. Forth. So, so the way she's defining or. Young defines oppression is more about essentially preventing someone from self-determination. Yes. Right. So, or let's put it in a more, there's a restriction on how you can act because of an oppressor. Say that again. There's a restriction on how you can act because of an oppress or because you're being oppressed. So, I mean, that's, or like, or, or someone is somebody, you know, Preventing you, preventing you from yeah, doing that. Yeah, but, but okay. it's but she's narrating that as oppression, and and the reason, like as I hear that, I'm like, but are you creating any sort of scenario where someone has power over someone else to then say, oh, that's therefore oppression, and and this is where I think things become problematic, mm-hmm. because if you start to look at those five faces of oppression, mm-hmm. right, exploitation, what's their primary example? Using other people's labors to benefit for oneself. Well, yeah, well, yes, and see, so, so the way because now, now, mind you, mind you, now, now, part of it is she's translating it not politically, but she's translating it in the game, and that's where you know you kind of have to see, okay, like, and yes, it's she, she's not talking about yes, Young talks about the aspect of you know political, the political sphere, but she's talking about in the context of a game, and that's no, where no, she's drawing but, the connections. But but, but you got to remember the way it worked was. They asked, so so let me uh, quote from the uh, National Post article, or sorry, actually I'm quoting from the Washington Post. What she says is the researchers, or the article from the Washington Post, and we'll have the links in the show notes page. We'll have a bunch of the articles for, a couple against, whatnot. So the researchers set out to interview middle school age students about broader questions in physical, physical education courses, but kept hearing the same thing from... And this I thought was really peculiar. It says, kept hearing the same thing from certain students. They hated dodgeball. So I'm curious what those certain students are. It doesn't I, I didn't quite 
comprehend what the, who those certain students were. But it says the interviews dug deeper. Interviewers dug deeper, asking students why. So why did they hate dodgeball? And then plotted those answers against these five faces of oppression. So to me, it sounds like the approach was they hate dodgeball. How do I fit this into an oppression narrative that's following this five faces of oppression? As opposed to taking a more objective approach of studying dodgeball and a fun, and trying to come to a conclusion of, is this a productive game in gym? Mm-hmm. Right? Like this, the way this article describes the approach to me says you're trying to reach a conclusion you already have. Because you're you're saying, like specifically it says, they plotted the answers against why kids hated dodgeball against an oppressor, oppression narrative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's go into the five. The five faces of oppression. So one, uh, exploitation, taking advantage of a person. And then two, marginalization, mentally and physically. So it's mentally, the physic, mentally and physically disabled versus the autonomous and independent. So you have the weak versus the strong. And that's how she's defining marginalization. And then powerlessness, those who lack authority or power and privilege. Uh, four is cultural imperialism, uh, dominant cultural products of the society. And then five, violence, not only direct victimization, but daily knowledge they are liable to violation solely on the account of their identity. Just the threat deprives them of freedom and dignity. Uh, so so as, as I was... Um, where know, did you, where did that come from? Was that I, from the National Post article? No, 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 no. So I was doing some research. Um, okay. and, and, and part of it is, again, like, you know, putting yourself in, in uh, Joy Butler's shoes and making the connections. Because it's one thing, you know, for us to make the connections to oppression in political sphere and capitalism and all that stuff. That's, that's pretty simple. But what she's doing is <laughs> applying it like you're learning these principles through dodgeball. So as you're as I was reading it, you know, and if you could pull back and rewind and listen, uh, you have, if you played dodgeball before, you'd be like, okay. Um, oh, and for those of you who don't know how to play dodgeball, we'll put a, a link in the show notes so you can uh, uh, learn how to play dodgeball. And so uh, basically, you're just saying, okay, well, where do we see exploitation in the game? Where do we see marginalization in the game? Where do we see uh, powerlessness in the game? Where do we see cultural imperialism? And where do we see uh, violence in the game? So so here's where I would say. I take issue with that because those are five characteristics of exploitation. You have a presumption of exploitation or sorry, of oppression, right? So um, the difference to me would be saying, okay, let's take the scenario that you use with respect to isolation. Mm -hmm. And how do I categorize that behavior? If I want to look at it as a positive side, it's two people working together to win. Yeah, and she also mentioned, and remember in the um, audio clip, she mentions uh, aggression and aggression being a negative, I guess. Yeah, which, I mean, and that's why I made the joke about, you know, soccer without score. Right. Because, you know, aggression is such a, I mean, would you classify competitiveness as aggression? Like, and this is where I would go back to the whole point I made at the very, very beginning about bullying. When I said 
are bullies going to potentially exploit this game? Fine. That is a fair criticism of this game. Uh, well, I uh, think, no. right? Like, well, I, I would say that, you know, now it's so funny. This just, but bullying is a part of every game. I would I wouldn't agree with that. No. Well, I okay. Well, I guess I'm thinking because I think of bullying as an acting outside of the rules in order to no no like when no, it comes to sport no no so like like so like for example when we play I don't know if you guys have a term in hockey but in basketball we have a term called bully ball where you know if I'm you know if I'm bigger than you and me and you're playing one on one I'm just backing you down and I'm beating you up physically I'm yeah just, but that's not bullying that's well, as, that's called exploiting the mismatch well uh, well I mean well. Uh, what what would Joy call it? So, but but that's the point, right? Like to me, bullying. Like think of bullying in a simpler context yeah. of like you know kids who beat people up, people who intimidate. But but what is the means of intimidating? Intimidating in sport generally is to gain an advantage so that you can win, as yeah. opposed to you know to violate someone's person. Yeah. Well, even then, like even then, you know whether you play hockey or or football, which are more physical games, uh, you you can kind of let that out. Uh, for basketball, you know, exploitation and bullying happens in the form of um, ISO or isolation, or, isolation yeah. or, or, or putting a man on, on an island, as we say. <laughs> so, you know, you put somebody on an island, you wave off everybody, and then you try to humiliate him one-on-one. Um, -on -one. Um, so that so that so that's how I, I would uh, see it. But there's an interesting aspect. So when we look at, you know, the economic principle, there's no such thing as a free lunch, and there's always trade-offs. So, like, even, like, if we hypothetically said, okay, well, um, you know, we, we should take all ideas seriously because, you know, all ideas have consequences. So, like, yeah, people saw the show and they're like, oh, man, this is so stupid. But it's not really stupid because, you know, a lot of times, you know, these, these ideas gain traction and um, and become popular. So, so uh, David Staples uh, wrote an article in response to, the, um, into, into, to this article. Uh, he writes for the. Uh, he his was in Edmonton. I have it from the Edmonton Journal. The Edmonton Journal, and and he was basically saying that um, there are smart and safe ways to channel powerful human instincts. It's a clever uh, pantomime of a primal activity of hunting. Children get to play, act at being act at being both predator and prey, but without any bloodshed. It's important to note that it's this defining aspect of dodgeball that so offends the academics. They inappropriately inject social justice thinking into the realm of games um, and play and thus fail to grasp the innate, safe, but satisfying allure of the game. I, I thought that was uh, well said. Yeah, I mean, his article I thought was really, really good. Except, except the last point, uh, point five about uh, headshots and dodgeball. Well, and I mean, uh, you know, like I, I actually appreciated when you were saying why you played headshots, and and I would even say, you know, it depends, right? Like, well, think, hold on, hold on, well, hold on. A part of it is like it made it more competitive. So I was going to say, in your context, yeah, it sounded like you had a good spectrum of athleticism. Now. But everybody was athletic. Well, and well, so, no, like, my no. point is, you don't have the. I would. I would. I would, I would well, I'm I thought you were say. at a Parks and Rec camp that was intended for kids to be, you know, athletically inclined. No, no, oh, no, okay. no. That's definitely not the situation. Not all the kids were athletically inclined. And and I would say, you know, it sounds. 
the one criticism or the one thing that she raised a good point to some extent was the kids that don't want to participate in gym, they don't are, they're don't. sitting in the back not saying anything and the kids that want to play dodgeball are in the front. Okay, fine. Like I, I can have like I can have appreciation for the fact that, you know, some kids don't want to play. And how do we resolve that? They can um, choose not to play. Well, and and I mean part of this gets into the question around you know, school being in the structure that it is where everybody has to participate in gym in the same capacity because of just the, you know, the nature of the school system as opposed to having kids that, let's say, just want to play dodgeball. Right. So then what would you say to people's response to, like, uh, like their incentives? Well, I mean, so, I mean, I would say, are we pointing out a problem with the game or the institution in which the game is being played? But that's a like that's a total sidebar question. Yeah. But I think we're we're just ignoring that and going well. School is a foregone conclusion in the structure that it's currently enabled, and therefore I'm not even mm. going to think about the fact that maybe it has a f- to do with the fact that I'm putting kids in a gym class who actually need a different type of a gym class. Right. Right. Like no, you almost need entry level gym mm-hmm. and competitive. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I know I'm being a little bit ridiculous with what I'm saying, uh-huh. but the point is, it's it's. It's kind of a result of the situation, which mm-hmm. is the institution, mm-hmm. not just the tool of oppression that they're painting it out to be. Mm-hmm. It's kind of ignoring the context because if you have dodgeball in a more, as I said, you know, you go to play it at a sports camp. Mm-hmm. Now, how much of her arguments fall to the wayside? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's interesting you say that because part of it, I was thinking from the perspective of, uh, you know, the appearance of righteousness and virtue signaling. And, you know, the idea of oppression, you know, nobody, you know, nobody wants to be an oppressor. So like, you know, you know, terms like equality, inclusiveness, democracy was mentioned also in the paper, um, have an appearance of, you know, it's, you know, are, you know, are these things, you know, even, yeah, are these things inherently virtuous? So part of it is, you know, it tugs on our heartstrings, I think. And I, and I think just to take a step back and put ourselves back in, in Joy's shoes, um, you know, yeah, it tugs at our heartstrings, and it kind of makes us take a step back. Okay, hold on, wait a minute. Oppression, like you know, I don't, I don't want to contribute to that. Uh, so, in a sense, that kind of gets um, a, a motivation or a, yeah, an emotional for, response for the, for the, for the gym the, teacher. Yeah, because the gym teacher, you know, they're, they're going to be gym teachers are going to say, you know what, look, uh, you know, she might be onto something, um, and I don't want to be a part of, you know, making these little Hitlers. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. You know what I mean? You know, you know what I mean. It's just one of those things where. You know, you you know, as a gym teacher, you might say, "Okay, you know what, guys, let's you know, let's play pin the tail on the donkey." Or well, and I would say, you know, I think how many like think back to how often did you actually play dodgeball? Whoa, whoa, whoa. dude, all, I like all the time. No, no, I mean in, in gym in school. Oh, we, not well, not in school. Um, we no, not a lot. like we Barely. never played. So her point that like yeah. all the kids want to play, like part of the reason why we don't play mm-hmm. is because there's so many kids that don't want to play. Mm-hmm. And and but you know David Stapleton's article as you or Staples sorry mm-hmm. um, you know he kind of made some good points I, I don't necessarily agree with his titles like his point one was called like dodgeball is the most democratic of sports which I was like that's so cheesy it's stupid mm-hmm. um, but what he said in the paragraph that followed I thought was amazing in respect to like you know and, and I kind of mentioned some of it at the very beginning where like basically a, a you know a wide spectrum of skills can be useful, right? Like if you're not good at throwing, when we start the game, you don't run up and grab a ball. 
Right. Oh, yeah. Like, when you got to run to the <laughs> yeah, line. Like, your job is not to <laughs> grab the yeah, ball, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, okay. Um, guess what? You're standing at the back yeah, as yeah. opposed to the front. Why? Because yeah. that gives you more time to catch yeah, if you have yeah. ba- bad reflexes, yeah, 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 right? Yeah. You're going to set yourself up <laughs> to success. But but if you're going to be a Debbie Downer who just runs the corner and says, I don't really want to play. I'll wait till I get hit and then I'll walk off the court. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, that's that's more indicative of your character when it comes to participating in group activities than it mm-hmm. does to with respect to these tools of oppression. Right, right. And you and remember, you, if you're not a good thrower, at least you can possibly catch. Or if you get out and you're on the sideline, you're still active. You can still contribute. Yeah, well, and, and I mean, it depends on the, the rules of the game, right? But mm-hmm. like, think of it this way. The kid who can't play, you know, basketball, who can't play soccer, chance of you cast, catching a soft, spongy ball is pretty high, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean... Again, if someone's throwing it at your face, hopefully you'd know how to duck. Like or catch, but 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 like catching it into your face is harder than when someone throws it at your chest. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Now guess what? Someone else on your team just came back, mm-hmm. and and maybe you're the reason they won the game. Yeah. Uh, my perception is you're fitting your preconceived notions, or you're fitting the context, which is dodgeball, into your preconceived notions because really. What is her purpose? Her purpose is to have more social justice activities in physical education. Yes. Guess what? There's a problem within academia, period. And and I'm going to reference a couple. Some people have, might have already heard of this. There's a couple names that it goes by. One of them is grievance studies or academic grievance studies. It was, uh, I, I want to get the exact names of the, the individual's. Peter Bogosian, James Lindsay, and Helen Pluckrose. Um, I'll, I'll share the, uh, two of them, uh, not the female, the two guys were on Joe Rogan walking through what they did. Uh, these guys basically created studies and submitted them to these far-left journals that that really had this Marxist ideology of oppressor. And, and so much of what they're doing and, and what, the, you know, their goal or their idea was to um, really demonstrate. Uh, sorry, the other name it goes by was uh, Sokol Squared Scandal. They were creating bogus academic papers and submitting them to a- academic journals in the areas of culture, queer, race, gender, fat, and sexual studies. And and to me, when I saw this, I was like, the the context of oppressor is so much of what these guys were exploiting where like, I mean, if you do any sort of digging, you will see the absurdity that these, they got like this fake study was basically awarded, like given an award for being so good. Mm -hmm. And, and really they were demonstrating that really what I've been saying that there's this aspect of, I have a conclusion that I want to reach. Let's produce a study that shows the conclusion. Right. And, and you know, if you listen to these guys talk, if you listen to the, how they, you know, they started out submitting a couple, you know, um, studies that got rejected. And then they said, all of a sudden, they just started to understand how the mind was working. Dude, they rewrote Mind Kampf and we're about to get it published. What? <laughs> uh, sorry, Mind Kampf is a book written by... Uh, Adolf Hitler uh, to uh, rally the people uh, to promote his uh, 
his political movement. Yeah, it, like again, I'll 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 show it. Like they were, uh, they didn't get it published. They were in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, when they kind of got, I think it was when they won the award mm-hmm. for that. They they kind of actually had. I think the one they won the award on was called Dog Park, which you'll. Ha- I don't even want to break into what what it's about, but um, oh. you, you'll have to read it to to really understand the the level of. And, and my point here is not to say that this study necessarily was bad. I just, you know, th- this uh, grievance studies affair um, really points out the fact that there's a problem in academia at times where studies are not repeatable. And then the other side of it is that you're, you're, you're trying to prove a conclusion. But mm-hmm. if you understand anything about statistics, the, the way you set up a hypothesis in statistics is actually backwards. You're actually trying to prove the negative. Like, and I mean, you know, I'm not going to get into explaining how, like, I might have not worded that in the clearest fashion, but the idea is that you actually reach a conclusion that your hypothesis was false to some extent. Um, I'm getting more, it's, it's more in the mathematical side of things. Obviously, when you're doing a study on something that's more objective, it's a little bit harder to, but but the idea is that, you know, if you're creating, if you're trying to study something, as I pointed out with respect to dodgeball, mm-hmm. okay, let's look at dodgeball objectively, right? Right. Let's start laying out particular actions or particular components and start like evaluating them from both sides. It's kind of what we and you try and do with our podcast, right? Like it's, I want to steel man the opposition. I want to show things as strong as possible. But if I've already know what my conclusion is going to be and I'm only going to publish Example, this is what these guys were doing with academic grievance studies. They were demonstrating that these um, that these journals are only publishing things that are in agreement, right? If you produce a study that shows that their a narrative of oppression in a particular context is false, it's not going to get published. Not because the study is bad, but because the conclusion doesn't fit their pre... Like, they had... Like, I, I, again, I can't even get into it, but if you if you really look into this this story about the grievance studies, it will blow your mind at the level of ridiculousness that goes on into this, you know, Marxist ideology and the craziest part. So this isn't right wing people exploiting the left. This is people that are very progressive in nature. These three people that I listed, their actual complaint was that good studies in this or, or good academic studying of this, you know, of these areas is not being done because it only ha- it's only the far progressive narrative stuff that's getting published and and they're not actually finding truth they're just perpetuating a, an echo chamber to some extent right no that th- that that's a good point you make Joel so like when we look at the rules of the game that influence individual choices and incentives so again uh, steel manning joy butler's position that she's saying she's arguing that the rules of dodgeball influence players to be oppressive isolating your opponent for targeting them Uh, but there's a belief that that activity of dodgeball is correlated with the theme of oppression and thus a claim that dodgeball causes oppression so what i'm getting at is that uh, this vile this is a, a fallacy of uh, the po- the post hoc fallacy which is uh, argument of uh, correlation and causation 
and and it's very important um, for for you guys to understand the difference between uh, causation and correlation and, and the fallacy uh, that it causes. So um, I, I'll give an example of one. So for example, you have two hospitals. One has a high uh, death rate and another one has a low death rate. So you would assume that the one with the low death rate is the better hospital. But then the factor, the middle factor or the... Or the um, True causation. The, the the true causation. So so yeah. So you, you would make a correlation that that the one with the lower death rate is the better hospital because less people die. Um, but the but the true causation is that when people have serious illness or life threatening, um, or life threatening injury or whatever the case may be, they go to the one that has the higher death rate. Well, the one reason sorry the one with the the higher death rate is because it's the better hospital. So those people with the most serious life threatening. Um, injuries or whatever the case may be, they go to that hospital and they're more likely to die because they're that serious. Now, mind you, not to say that some do get saved, but uh, because the most serious ones go to that hospital, they have a higher death rate versus the one that has a lower death rate, where you know basically nobody goes if you ha- if your life is being threatened. Yeah, I mean, to me, the the idea would be to, uh, mathematically, if anyone's in mathematically inclined, taking the concept of like a weighted average as opposed to just simple averages, and what that means is. You know, you would when you're estimating the death rate, you would include the the risk of death pre entering the hospital as part of the weighting factor. Yes. Right. Yes. So if you have a really low risk of death, the low risk of deaths at that hospital actually turns out to be not comparable unless mm-hmm. you consider the risk of death entering the hospital mm-hmm. with the hospital that has a high risk of death. Right. So if to make numbers with respect to what you're talking about. If everyone coming into the hospital has a, only a 5% chance of dying and their rate of death is 1% for patients, but the other hospital has like a nine, uh, an 80% chance of death and their rate of death in the hospital is only 20%. I mean, I just made those numbers up, but I guess if you kind of work through the math on those, you'd kind of be like, well, actually that kind of that hospital has, it seems to have a better death rate. Right, right, of course. And I'm just going to give you guys one more just so you guys grasp the concept. So, for example, um, going to bed with your shoes on causes headaches. <laughs> All right? Going to bed with your shoes on causes headaches. I, you, so, so every time you go to bed with your shoes on, you get headaches. So there's the correlation. They're related. So the, the I, know, I know where you're going to take this because I read your notes. <laughs> but... What you're demonstrating is mm-hmm. the term that, that would be used is called common cause. Mm-hmm. So two events happen at the same time because the cause of the event, mm-hmm. which is? Uh, the cause of the event is drunkenness. Getting drunk is the common cause for both of those things to occur. Yes. And yes. so it's easy when you have a common cause. The uh, two events we're looking at are correlated and to misdiagnose that correlation as causation. Yes, yes. So, so yeah, so because you're drunk, you don't take your shoes off, and then you wake up with a hangover, a headache. So, uh, so, uh, so again, um, the reason why we're, we're, we're harping on this is because it's important to, as you analyze the news, that you're being able to identify um, um, the fallacies in, 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 the, in the reasoning. Now, with all that said, both correlation and causation don't apply in this case for this particular paper, and that's and that's where your where you got it where your spidey sense has got to be tingling. So 
the correlation between there is no correlation between dodgeball and oppression, and there is no causation between dodgeball and oppression. Well, and if there is, they definitely didn't prove it. Right? Like, I mean, I would think if you were trying to demonstrate somehow that dodgeball causes oppression, you would have to start to look at kids that asked to play dodgeball, the frequency, and then show that those are the types of kids who somehow have the equivalent of today's slaves. Um, but but again, we you, the problem is like, you know, how are you defining oppression? And this is kind of coming back to it. Like, in and, you know, you used uh, a couple definitions that I, I would say, I, I, if I was looking at my the Washington Post article that I was using, you know, they're, they're using things that, you know, exploitation, for example, using other people's labor to benefit oneself. Mm-hmm. So let's take labor out of that and just say using others to benefit yourself. But, you know, let's you we go back to the concept of, of wages. Like we, we would talk about it's a mutually beneficial exchange. But mm-hmm. it, you're not willing to hire someone for $20 an hour if he's only going to contribute $10 worth of work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Like he has to give you more than what you're paying him. Otherwise, it's a bad choice for you. And, and, and this is where I would say the economics come into play because people are not necessarily comprehending that you can have mutually beneficial exchanges. Things aren't zero sum. In general, I mean, unless you're talking about you know, certain types of trades like stock trades or, or call options, which are, are zero sum, um, you know, there's not a lot of exchange when it comes to people trading where you would say, you know, the value you got is exactly equal to the value I gave up. Because in general, I mean, I've talked about it before in terms of, you know, when you're buying something used, you essentially have a maximum price and the other person has a minimum price they're willing to sell for. And, you know, whoever's got a little bit more power, which I think is, you know, we're getting close to the end of time here, but I think this is a, it's a, an economic principle that I've been really wrestling with. Um, with respect to power, if, for the one who has a little bit more power, they're going to get closer to their, you know, edge of the range than the other person. Um, and the example in the past when I've given it, buying a used phone on, on uh, Kijiji, you know, when there's more sellers than there are buyers, the buyer has more power and vice versa. You know, the per- when, when you have way more people on the other side of the exchange looking at you to potentially engage, you have more power because you get to be selective with who you engage with. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think something like the word exploitation, you know, unless you're going to use a very strict definition of something like violating someone's property rights, y- you're opening yourself up to a conversation around I can make anything call qualify as exploitation if I define the parameters wide enough. Mm-hmm. And and that's why I, I'm critiquing the, the, the labor thing here because, you know, using other people's labors to benefit yourself. Well, did they receive a benefit? Did they got paid? That's mm-hmm. a benefit. So you gave them a benefit and then in turn, they gave you a benefit, which was the work that you completed. Mm-hmm. And But they're saying because the work they completed was worth more to you than the amount you paid them, somehow that's exploitation. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I, I'm not going to go through all of these, but but the point is that like, you know, using the word oppression 
you know, is so broad and so widely defined, especially when you start to look at things that are very Marxist in definition. Um, And I would say they're largely really ignorant to economics. Okay. So, so then, what's what's your two cents you want to leave the audience with? Uh, I think when we see things like this, we need to be really taking a critical eye of it, because right now, academia has a lot of influence, whether it's politicians that want to read something like this and then say, oh, we're going to outlaw, you know, dodgeball in our province because it's bad based on this, you know, this study and similar others like it or, or other sports, um, you know, in general, I think we need to be careful because, I mean, you started to ask the question earlier of, you know, what's the consequences or what are the benefits, right? Like there's two sides to this. Like, Uh, you know dodgeball in and of itself like whatever it's one game it's not a big deal but like if we take their arguments to now say oh you can't play soccer oh no are you saying the unintended consequences i'm saying the the idea of there's a trajectory that we're on so dodgeball represents a trajectory or or banning dodgeball represents a trajectory Mm -hmm. and 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 that's what i'm concerned with is the trajectory right like as I said, dodgeball in and of itself is nothing. Like, whatever. You want to stop playing dodgeball in school? Like, I think it's silly. I think you should let that be school by school. And uh, if parents don't want their kids to play dodgeball, they go to the school that doesn't allow dodgeball. That's how you're going to figure out whether or not people want to play dodgeball. Um, so what I'm getting at, though, is you know, the trajectory, as you referenced, right? Her her motives aren't as simple as dodgeball. They're about, we need to make sure we have social justice sports or social justice games within gym. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I would say that unfortunately, I think social justice is a term that is used way more broadly than it should be. Um, and I mean, personally, I am absolutely pro undoing social injustice. And so I'm, what I, what the reason why I word it that way is to mm-hmm. say you find a particular injustice, i.e. someone has been violated, something, someone's rights or property has been exploited or taken, you undo that injustice case by case. Um, absolutely, no question asked. But to say social justice like it's it's too broad it's too it's too wishy-washy that like oh well um someone who's an immigrant from another country doesn't understand the rules of this game therefore we can't play it at school like i i just came up with an absurd example off the top of my head to point out the fact that like well is that really the best approach like maybe there's yes do we need to take care and consideration for that individual who has now come to this class and is not understanding? Absolutely. Like, don't don't put words in my mouth to say that I, I'm saying don't care about the immigrant who doesn't understand the game. I'm saying the resolution of not playing the game is ignorant to the fact that that's actually not a productive solution. Okay. Okay, no, that, that, that's helpful. That's helpful. Uh, I, I, would, I would say, like, 
okay, well, well, again, you know, I'm looking at it from, you know, economics as the art of making choices, and then I'm merging, like, theology is the application of God's word in every area of life, and that, you know, ideas ha- ideas have consequences. So part of it is, you know, identifying the fallacy is all about finding the definition. And a lot of times, you know, politically there are terms, there's politically charged terms that we throw around like equality, uh, fairness, oppression. Like nobody wants to be an oppressor. Nobody wants to be unfair um, and so forth. But you kind of see like political parties, you know, rallying around these words. And, and, you know, of course, these terms mean different things to different groups of people. Um, but again, you see these words being leveraged to help people make decisions. And, and it's very weird because like the connection, there is no causality. There is no correlation between dodgeball and, um, and oppression. And so you have this unconscious learning that's um, being implied by uh, Joy Butler where you are becoming an oppressor unconsciously. And uh, Grant Sutherland uh, in his paper, The... Um, the privilege of the gaps. He, he 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 says it really well, like this: uh, the activist scholars primarily locate privilege neither in the laws or laws of the land nor in explicit attitudes and behaviors, but in the realm insulated from hard empirical examination, the unconscious mind. Uh, there was, and I did the search, and hopefully, you know, you guys could do the search as well. Um, I asked our interns to look into it to find the connection between dodgeball and um, oppression, and there wasn't any. And it was almost implied, like, okay, well, there's this unconscious learning where you're doing things, and of course, then at least the policies of unlearning what you don't know that you know, um, which is which is like this philosophy, this theory that. Um, leads to nowhere and i and i say all that to say uh you know i was reading through colossians and you know paul says to uh, the people in Colossae that you know you are you have to be aware of ideas that are not fruitful and he says this in colossians chapter 2 verse 22 and 23 such rules so he's saying that now that you're in now that you're in christ uh you, know, you have to be careful of being uh pulled by Uh, lofty ideas so he says such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them these rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion pious self-denial and severe bodily discipline but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires so again uh, how do we conquer oppression by withholding dodgeball Right? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, 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 there's there are these philosophical ideas that sound lofty, um, they sound deep, uh, but are empty. And as and especially, uh, well, not just Christians, but even non-Christians as well. Like, uh, to be able to pay attention and be able to diagnose what is good, what is the good, what is the true, as opposed to because if you're not able to do that, then you know what, Joy Butler's argument does does have legs if, mm-hmm. if you're not able to discern okay well what is good what does that mean to be good mm-hmm. and and i mean uh you know i i'm totally in agreement i think you've you've kind of really n- hit the nail on the head the only i think to tie in what i was saying 
earlier is to the other side of it is like how have they defined oppression because we we instantaneously look at the concept of oppression and be like i don't i'm not an oppressor i don't want to be an oppressor oh if you think dodgeball is oppressive then i gotta get out and and oh look you've put a good argument together Mm -hmm. but but the question like the problem is have you inspected the nature of that argument and go hold on the presuppositions and and there there's a reason why i focused on that particular part of the washington post article one because it sounds like when they said oh hearing the same thing from certain students mm-hmm. okay i i mean and maybe i need to read the uh, you know the study cuz i think right now they've only presented the study and it's coming out in a journal later but it makes me wonder okay how many of the you know did you only include students who hated dodgeball? Mm-hmm. Right? To then figure out why did those ones feel oppressed? What happens if only 5% of the people who play dodgeball feel oppressed? Mm-hmm. Is this study even worth its salt? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, basically, are these... And then I would say, okay, do, is that 5% representative of... what? Well, like, who do they really represent? Are these people always feeling oppressed? Mm-hmm. Right? And now... It sounds like those fi- those those people who, who they classified as the certain students who hated dodgeball, they didn't use the word oppressed. They then turned what they said as to why they hate dodgeball and fit it into an oppression narrative. And so again, and then, you know, what's the nature of that oppression narrative? How are they defining oppression? And And that's where you can look at this and go, you know what? I don't really agree with this. The way that, you know, if you, if... There's a bunch of assumptions that stu- lay out the context of a study, and this is what happens all the time. Studies, you know, studies reported in the news are absolutely horrible. That's why you hear like, "Oh, drink one glass of red wine is good for your health." Oh, drink it, eating chocolate is good for your health. Oh, eating chocolate's bad for your health because, like, you know, a study gets published, and then, well, it's only going to make the headline news when it's when it's, you know, sensationalized. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares that you know a study found that you're. 0.5% healthier when you drink uh, one glass of red wine a week. Mm-hmm. Like that sounds absolutely boring and nobody cares. Right. But that might actually be the conclusion that was sensationalized by the headline that you thought was good. And so, I mean, I know I'm kind of going on a rant and we've already kind of really wrapped up, but the point is that like, you know, digging into the context, especially for things like this, you know, I brought up that other, you know, that, that, uh, scenario that the grievance studies affair not to necessarily say that this particular study falls into that category specifically but to say that you know affair demonstrates there's you know a potential you're going to read a study and go this is hot garbage because it's structured in such a way that of course they're going to come to the conclusion because they there's no other conclusion that could be reached right like when you're saying how does the reason people hate dodgeball fit into five faces of oppression? What other conclusion can you come to than the dodgeball is oppressive? <laughs> For the people who hate dodgeball, it is oppressive because I've figured out how their answers of hatred fit into oppression. <laughs> like, oh, it just, oh, man. And, oh, okay. I want to finish with the, the one more thing. And, and, you know, maybe this is not as uh, sensational as I'm going to make it sound. It was amazing to see the level of coordination that came out on, what was the date? June 3rd was when the all these articles started popping up. And um, 
I can share the link. It was a, a, a webpage. I don't even know if I really like it. I started following it on Facebook called Freedom for All. Um, eight different mainstream media outlets had literally the exact same headline with respect to dodgeball isn't just problematic. It's an unethical tool of oppression. Some form of that headline was in you know, the Vancouver Sun, Montreal Gazette, the Star Phoenix. Obviously, we've been quoting the National Post and Washington Post. Washington Post, I think, came out a little bit later. Um, but, but it, you know, it's just... Um, I'll, I'll put a link to this, too. There's a, a, a YouTube video where uh, Eric Weinstein defines four kinds of fake news. And to me, this is an example of fake news. Not because the news is false, but because it's being promoted in such a fashion where everybody's going to see the headline and so it's this idea of uh he uses the example of like being above the fold uh so old school think of a newspaper things that are below the fold get seen less than the things above the fold and so by having all of these you know mainstream news outlets put out literally the same article all at the same time um is a bit of uh i don't know propagandist in nature is that your two cents? Oh, yeah. I think it was like two cents times 50. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, again, uh, we'd love to hear what you guys think about dodgeball, uh, whether you, um, you know, Yo, are I for think it should, or I against think we should, it. Uh, on the day this comes out, we'll, we'll throw up like a poll, a Twitter poll. Yeah. Do you like, poll. did you love or hate dodgeball in school? And do you think it's oppressive? And another yeah, question. We'll, we'll and, put up a couple. And, and do you think I'm wrong for uh, playing with headshots with the kids? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, well. headshot, headshots or no headshots, dodgeball. That'll be a good another, another couple of pull, Twitter polls. Uh, so let us like know that. what you guys think. And remember, six sets makes change. Yeah.